Father, thank you, God, for your mercy and your grace that you pour out on us so lavishly. And the fact that no matter what trials we endure, what difficulties come our way, we can say it is well with my soul because eternity is what matters. What matters is not what we endure here. Yes, struggles in this life are difficult on us and they break our hearts. God, but I know that you are the healer of hearts for all of eternity. That God, you bring healing when there can be no healing. God, you bring hope when there can be no hope. God, you bring joy when it doesn't seem like joy is possible. I rejoice in the fact that Jesus Christ is a source of everything that we need. Lord, I know that the times are hard, that the difficult things come into our life. I, I, I'm not afraid to admit that. But I can also rejoice in the fact that you are so good. You are our good, good Father. God, I thank you so much that, that no matter what happens in this world, I can truly say it is well with my soul. God, thank you for that promise. Thank you for allowing healing to be brought to my soul. I pray that you would speak to somebody right now. God, somebody needs healing in their soul. Maybe it's for all of eternity. Maybe they've never trusted in you as Lord and Savior. Maybe today would be that day that they could say, God, bring healing to my soul because I know that Jesus Christ paid the penalty for my sin. God, however you need to work in this service, we pray that we'd just be obedient to you and let you move and let you work in our hearts right now. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So we've been in a, a series called Giving. We're going to continue that series today. Um, I think that anytime a pastor comes to a congregation and goes, oh, we're going to talk about giving, everybody takes a big sigh, right? Oh, good, great. That's what I wanted to hear is about giving money. That's what we need to do, right? We need to, to write a bigger check. We need to put more cash in the offering plate. That'll suffice, right? Well, if you've been in this series with us, you know that that's not what we're talking about. That if it was just as simple as writing Jesus a check, that there would be a whole lot of people that would do that. But to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus, it really means about giving him everything. And when I talk about giving him everything, I'm not just talking about money. I, as a matter of fact, money on the list of th things that are important to give to Jesus, money is so far down on the list, I go like, that's not even something I really want to address that much. I, I, I don't care about how, money you, how much money you put in the offering plate. I really don't. And I told you that last week. It's like if, if you're going to begrudgingly put money in the offering plate because you think you're going to write Jesus a check so he'll get off your back, don't put money in the offering plate. Keep it. Go use it at Longhorn. Go cover up that place and just, just use that money to buy you a big fat dessert. Everybody's like, man, dude, you are crazy. What are you doing saying this stuff? I don't care. I told you that, that, that Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians that, that God will sustain us. If God truly wants us to continue to do this thing and continue to baptize people, and we are really preaching truth here that God will sustain us, not the wallets of men, I'm not, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. What I am afraid of is, is people that have been living a lie, and they, they think that, that, that giving your life to Christ just means giving him a portion of your life. And I don't want to tell you that that's what the gospel says, because that's not what the gospel says. That's not the truth. And, and there are a lot of people that will preach and say, you know what you need to do if you want to be a good Christian? You need to be in church every Sunday and Wednesday, and you need to tithe and give 10% of everything you've earned to Jesus, and you are a good Christian. That's what they say. I, I, have, I have made it. God has made it. 
I have not made it. God has made it my mission over this giving series to tell you that that is not the case. That giving Jesus 10% so that he leaves you alone and you can say that you're a good Christian and you come in every once in a while to a church service and say, I am a good Christian, to tell you that, that if, if you think that's what Jesus wants from you, that is an outright lie. That's an outright lie. I think one of the things that I want to address with you today is sometimes, I mean, our human I have to address our human nature up here, right? So that's what I do. I, I talk about the way we view things, the way we see things, the way we have to fight against the flesh all the time. You know what I'm talking about? Like our struggle, right, against what God wants us to do versus what we want to do. And that's really what we talk about most in here, right, is our struggle. The truth versus what we want to hear right? That, that's the struggle we deal with in here most. Here's the reality. When we give, we want something in return. Everybody's like, oh, no, I don't do that. I, I, that's not me, Kenny. I don't, I don't know who you're talking. I don't, I don't give with any expectations of getting anything in return. It is better to give than to receive. I've heard that. I say that a lot at Christmas time. I do not expect a gift in return. Liar. <laughs> Liar. You know how I know that's true? Uh, at least women are more honest about it. Yeah, okay. Uh, guys, we don't, we, don't, we don't deal with the whole gift thing very much, but, but at least women are honest about it. So it's always the struggle, right, of, of which friends, how close are they, whether or not I get them a Christmas present. Right? That's always a struggle. Do I, do I get this person a Christmas present? Are we close enough that I'm supposed, I'm expected to get them a Christmas present? What is the barometer for whether or not you are supposed to get them a Christmas present? Women know this. Guys, we don't really care so much. Do they get me a present? That's how we know if we're supposed to get them a present because if they get us a present and we don't have them anything, oh, that's not good. Am I right? Am I right? Look. My daughter, she's 13, she deals with this a lot, you know, like, well, is so-and-so going to get me a Christmas present? I need to get them something if they got me something. The reality is our human nature is that if, if, if we're going to give, we kind of expect something in return. And our barometer for whether or not we should even give is whether or not we're going to get something. That, that's, that's how we measure things, right? And I think we even do this with Jesus. I really believe that we even do this with Jesus. I'm going to tell you a story in a minute. Today seems very story heavy. I mean, I know I'm kind of a storyteller, and that's, that's kind of the way I do things. But today is kind of story heavy. I want to start by telling you a story about something that, that happened to me. I can finally tell you this. God told me for a long time I couldn't tell you this. And I have to, it's really weird. I mean, me and God have these crazy conversations, right? And I'm like, God, don't you think this would make a good sermon illustration? He's like, not right now. You're not supposed to, not right now. You're not supposed to do that. And I'm like, but time has gone by, right? I mean, like enough time has gone right now? No, nope, not yet. And then I, f I forget about it, and then God goes, okay, now's the time. So this was over a year ago that this happened, and I haven't been able to tell you about this because God told me I couldn't tell you. Now I'm going to tell you. I was, it was, it was a Friday. Yeah, I know it was a Friday. I was, I was here in town, and, and and uh, I had some time. There was a guy gonna, the cable guy was going to come out to our house to do some work on the cable lines and all this kind of stuff. He'd give me a time. He was going to be there. I made all these plans and arrangements so I could be there when he got there. 
Well, I, I, had, I had been doing some stuff around town, and I, I go down here right by McDonald's, and I, I got off the interstate, and I turned left at the red light there, and, and I drive by, and you know the entrance ramp to go on your way to Birmingham, I-20 to go to Birmingham? You know, it's right there as you make that turn. Well, I, I, I noticed a guy standing there. Now, we know that if you live around here, you know that people stand there all the time, and they're always looking for a ride, and people want to ride whatever, and, and that happens a lot, Right? Well, I, I go past, and I do what I normally do, and ignore the dude on the side of the road, and I just turn, and God stopped me in my tracks. Boom, like, this is not okay. Turn around right now. And I'm like, whoa, hang on now. I, I got stuff to do today. <laughs> Jesus, don't be interrupting my life with what you're about to tell me to do. I got stuff to do, you know? That lasts about 30 seconds, and I turn around. <laughs> like, okay, yeah, I get it. All right, look, I know whole church is founded on your direction, so, yeah, I, I get it. I'm going to follow you. All right, enough's enough. Lay off. Give me a break for just a minute. I turn around. I said, I'm going, Jesus. All right, I'm going. So I go on the entrance ramp to Birmingham, and I'm like, I, I'm going to have to go all the way down to Coldwater to turn around. It's not going to go good. It's going to take up a lot of my time. This Jesus stuff, so many times it takes up a lot of time. I'm not on board with that. I got other stuff to do. Pull off the side of the road. This guy, he doesn't look like the normal guy that is going to be hitchhiking. I mean, it's, I can just tell that there's something different, right? And, and, and I pick him up, and I, I, said, I ask him where he's going, what he's doing, all this kind of stuff. And he gives me the story. And, and look, I know that, that a lot of people on the side of the road looking for a ride, they, everybody's got a story. I, I got that. And I've heard every story that you can imagine. But this guy, he starts talking to me, and I, I just feel like God says, Do, help him, whatever he needs, whatever he needs. Now, this sounds like a very holy story, like Jesus speaking to Kenny. Kenny responds, man, Kenny's obedient, praise God. I, I, I love having a pastor like that that just responds to the Holy Spirit, and look how holy he is. Well, I'm fixing to crush that in just a minute, okay? Just give me a second. So I said, where are you going, man? He, said, he gives me a story, and he says he basically needs to go to the Birmingham airport. And I go, the Birmingham airport? Jesus, I got stuff to do. I had a whole day planned of stuff I needed to get done. This dude needs a ride to the Birmingham airport of all places? He didn't ask me for a ride to Pell City or to East Aboga. He wanted to go to the Birmingham airport. Get in the car, man. You know? <laughs> Get in the car. Let's go to Birmingham. I was excited. I got the cable guy. Who knows when he's going to call me, right? Like He's like supposed to be there, and it, he's supposed to be there in like 20 minutes, and this ain't going to work. My whole day's messed up because of Jesus. We start heading there. He starts talking about his story and what's going on in his life, and he tells me he's a flight surgeon. I'm like, a what? So what's a flight surgeon? Basically, he travels around for the military and does surgery in different places. And he showed me his military ID. Uh, he showed me, uh, you know, all this stuff that, that basically corroborated his story. Like, yeah, that's, that's what I am. I'm a flight surgeon. I'm like, and I didn't know that when I, when I picked him up because he had a sign. And he, he gave me the sign, actually. I asked him if I could keep the sign. This was his sign. Doctor needs a ride. Doctor needs a ride. That's what it says. And I thought, 
God, I didn't know that. When you told me to pick this guy up, I didn't know what the sign said. I just figured it said he needed a ride. And it's surely as I started to feel good about myself, I think what happened was I heard, in my mind, I heard he's a flight surgeon. He's a flight surgeon, huh? When he gets back home, he may send a big check to Simple Church. He may say, I mean, because he was telling me about all the stuff that he has, about the yacht that he owns and all this kind of stuff. And he says, because my wallet got stolen and, and all these other things that, that had happened with his daughter, that, that he, he was going to somehow reimburse me for buying his ticket back home. He said, if I don't get home in the next 24 hours and they're going to revoke my pension, they're going to revoke this and all this kind of stuff. And he's, he's telling me he has to get home. So in my mind, I go, I'm going to give some money to this guy. And he gets home. He, he might send me a big check. He might say, man, this guy was really good to me. Let me return the favor. And let me bless him in some way. And even though I was being obedient to God, in the back of my mind, I had some expectation that I would get something in return. Yes, it was, there was a great desire to obey God and to love God through giving and, and ministering to this man. But I believe in, in the back of my mind, as much as I hate it, I was struggling with the flesh that was saying, man, if you do something good, you're going to get something good. I dropped that guy off at the Birmingham airport. We prayed on the way there. He talked about how good God had been to him. He talk, he, I mean, he quoted scripture to me. I quoted scripture back to him. When he, before he got out of the car, we prayed for his situation and his daughter and all this kind of stuff. And we prayed together. And I sent him on his way. And I said, I said God's going to use that guy to bless Simple Church in some way. Man, we're just now starting this thing up. And God's orchestrating this thing. And, and man, who knows? He may, like, donate a building to Simple Church or something. I can't wait till I, I get, because I, I gave him my phone number. I gave him my address, everything. I can't wait to hear back from this guy. Ain't no telling what's going to happen. Now, you can sit there and go, well, I wouldn't be thinking that, Kenny. I just would have given him a bunch of money and bought his ticket, a plane ticket, and said, but I really believe that what was going on, and I had to deal with this. I had to deal with it because I, I was being obedient to God, but I knew in the back of my mind there was something that was going on. And you're like, man, you shouldn't be admitting all this. I'm just being honest with you. I'm just being real with you because I, I know how I am, and I know the struggles I deal with just like you do. And I... I I let him out after praying with him, and I cried my eyes out. I did. I cried my eyes out just because I, I, knew, I knew that what it, I, had just, I had just been in contact with God in a powerful way. I knew that. I, I, I just bawled my eyes out because I knew that, that I had gotten a, an opportunity to do the work of God. I, I, I drove back from the Birmingham airport after giving this guy money to buy his plane ticket and food and all that kind of stuff, and I'm not recommending you do that on a regular basis, but this particular time I knew that I was doing what God had called me to do, so I did it. And you'll never believe what just happened the other day. Me and expectation from hearing from this guy, and it's been over a year, you'll never believe what happened to me just the other day in response to what I had done. You know what happened? Nothing. 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 I haven't heard a peep from this guy. I tried to look him up on the internet. I tried to find a flight surgeon from the town that he was in. I tried. I looked and I looked and I tried to find anything on this particular guy. Nothing happened. 
Do I believe that I was obedient to what God and the Holy Spirit was telling me to do to my heart? Absolutely. Do I believe that, that I probably did something wrong and possibly even sinned by expecting something in return? Absolutely. Absolutely. Even in the midst of trying to be obedient to God, I was still battling with my flesh and I was expecting something in return. And I believe a lot of times as Christians we do that. As a matter of fact, I sat through a whole service one time, and I, at the time it seemed good because I wanted to hear it, man. I wanted to embrace it. This is, what, this is what happened. We had a service about tithing. We had a service about how good it was to give to God, okay? And people, person after person, couple after couple would come down, and they would talk about what had happened as a result of their giving, how that they would write a check, and they put it in the offering plate, and this is what God did through that. God, God blessed them this way, or, or they, got, they got a check in the mail, or they got a promotion at work, or, or this kind of thing, and that kind of thing happened. And yes, sometimes that happens. But let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. That is not the reason to do it. That is not the reason you give to God is expecting something in return, or expecting that he's going to bless in some monetary way as a result of your monetary giving. That is not the way to do it. I believe that we're to give sacrificially and we're to give from the heart. And as God impresses us to give, we give. And you know what we should expect in return? Nothing. Nothing. You know why we give. We give for one purpose and that is for the gospel. That is for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if we're to expect anything in return, that is to expect souls to be saved and people to come to faith in Jesus Christ. We're supposed to give in order for the gospel and I don't know if you know this or not, but sometimes that doesn't come back in the form of a check. That's what we call treasure in heaven that we're not supposed to store up our treasure here, but our treasure in heaven. The treasure in heaven is souls and people that have come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And that's why we give. That's why we give. And I'm not just talking about your money. You give all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. For the purpose of the gospel. That's why. Not so you'll get something in return. Not, not, not so, so that, that you'll, you, you'll get a new car. Sometimes you have a broke down car and God orchestrates things so that you get a new car. Absolutely. We don't give to God expecting that, that he'll fix my car. We give to God and we say, God, whatever you would do with this, God, I want you to have it. And that may mean serving a meal to somebody on Christmas Day. That, that may mean getting down on your hands and knees and scrubbing and cleaning up something. That, that may mean going and, and taking care of kids back in the kids' department. When you give it, you say, God, this is for you. And by the way, God has led me into another sermon series through this. And the next sermon series, I can tell you, is going to start next week, and it's about prayer. I think that we pray sometimes expecting God to answer in our way and to give us the answers that we want and God to say yes to whatever we request. we got to have some serious talks about prayer and what it means to pray. Because I think sometimes we give in the same way that we pray, expecting our way to come back to us. The way we want things to work out. Expecting that in return. 
putting God in a box and saying, God, here's what I want you to do. You do it my way, and I'll give you the glory for it all so long as you do it my way. Prayer is about saying, God, whatever you have, I'm going to give you the glory for it all because I have seen what you've done in my life, and every single thing that you've done in my life was good because it was all for your glory, and it was all about bringing me into a closer relationship with you. So our, our next series is going to be about prayer. There are three things that we're supposed to do more in private, almost exclusively in private, and not in public. Number one is giving. We're supposed to give in a private way so that we don't even know, the right hand doesn't even know what the left is doing. That it is so secret that people don't know about our giving. And I believe that that's the way we're supposed to do it. Some people say, well, you know, I want people to, to see what a great thing I did, but I gave this much. Or I want to see people... Uh, I want people to see me serving. I want people to, 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 to see the fact that I have given of my time and my efforts. I want people to see that. No. Giving is supposed to be done in private and in secret. You should not put forth an effort so that people can see how much you have given, whether that be your time, your resources, your money. It is supposed to be done in secret. And Jesus even addresses the fact that prayer should be done more in private than it is done in public. He talks about people that pray out loud and, and so that everybody can hear them. He's like, man, go and pray in a closet somewhere where nobody can hear you. Pray there. And the other thing that should be done in private, by the way, which you probably need to have a whole sermon series on this because most people don't know about it, is fasting. Everybody's like, man, I thought that was Old Testament. I thought... You mean we got to fast? I thought that's what the Pharisees did. We want to be like the Pharisees? Ain't eh, wrong. We're going to teach that so that you know what fasting is really all about. And you're supposed to fast in a way that nobody knows that you're fasting. Everybody's like, well, that's hard to do. Yeah, it is. You can do it, though. You can do it, though. We're going to talk about fasting, too. I feel like we need to do that. But those three things are supposed to be done in secret. Is it okay for us to pray in public? Absolutely. But we don't pray for, for prideful or selfish gain. We make sure that if we do pray in public, it is for God's glory. Sorry, I could get on a soapbox about all these things and I could preach all, all these messages right now, but I'm not going to do that to you. We're actually going to look at Scripture. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 16. And we're going to look at, at this particular situation where, where Jesus is telling his disciples that he's got to die. And, and Jesus is trying to explain this to them. And they're not really happy about that. And in particular, Peter, he's pretty upset about it. And he, he's, like, he's like, Jesus, please, I, I don't want this to be the case. Say it isn't so. Don't, don't let this happen. You can stop this. You can change it. And Jesus looks Peter in the eye, and he can see that it's not Peter that's talking, but it's Satan that's talking. And he's like, Satan, get thee behind me. And he chastises Peter a little bit right there going, hey, the words that you're saying right now are not coming from you. They are coming from Satan. It is God's plan and for God's glory that I'm supposed to be crucified, and I'm supposed to die this way. You've got to understand that. I know with your, your, your feeble human mind, you can't see that right now, but this is, this is important that it goes down this way. So let's look at, at, at what Jesus says 
about what it means to be a Christian, what it means to really give. In verse 24, it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If if any of you want to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give, but if you give, we're talking about giving, right? Listen to what Jesus says about giving. He says, but if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? For the Son of Man will come with his angels and the glory of his Father and will judge all people according to their, their deeds. And I tell you the truth, some standing here right now will not die before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So what does Jesus say about giving? He says, if you try to to save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, then you'll gain it. And the most important thing is your soul. I think we spend a lot of time, even as Christians, trying to save our life, trying to save our skin, trying to, to save ourselves, right? When I talk about giving, I'm not just talking about uh, giving up to a point. I'm talking about giving to the point where, where Jesus says, you must give up your selfish ways, the, the, the motivations you have that are all about you. You must give them up. In order for you to have true life, in order for you to have a real relationship with me, you must be willing to give up everything, including your selfish ways, the things that are focused on you. When you give, you must give in such a way where you don't care about you anymore, but it becomes everything about Jesus Christ and the souls, your soul and the souls of the people around you. I think that we, you know, we, we, how many times do we pray about ourselves compared to how many times we pray for others? Uh, compared to, we, I mean, we know about our problems. And, and sometimes we pray for our own soul, but how many times are we praying for the souls of others compared to how many times are we praying for ourselves and our struggles? What if instead we were to pray, God, you know what? I know that I'm hurting right now and I know that my heart is broken and all of that. I just pray that you would use that. So people would see your glory and somebody, their soul might be saved. I I, want to give you my selfishness. I want to give it all over to you so that you might be able to use it. And you might be able to, to use it for your kingdom and for your glory. See, Peter was being selfish. If you think about what was going on here, Peter, Peter liked being around Jesus. Jesus performed miracles like you know, he cut somebody's ear off, and Jesus put it back on. I mean, it, he was a good guy to be around, right? I mean, like, they were hungry, and he would feed them. And, like, we don't have any food, but Jesus make food. And, and it, it was good to be around Jesus. And I'm sure that, that, that Jesus, he was a loving guy, too, you know? I mean, yeah, he would chastise them and get on to them every once in a while because they did some stupid stuff like the rest of us do. But, but, but they had this perception in their mind that when Jesus comes, when the Messiah comes, what he's going to do is he's going to set everything straight and make everything right. And, and all the Jewish people will be saved and, and will no longer be under the Roman rule anymore. And we'll be able to do what we want to. And we'll be able to glorify God through our lives. And it'll just be wonderful because we, we'll just be able to go back to the way things used to be. I mean, Peter was being a little bit selfish here. 
And Jesus had to rebuke him. He says, it's not about you, Peter. You got to be willing to give up everything, man. You, you got to be willing to, to give without expecting something in return. You got to be able to, to, to give without expecting things to work out your way and the way that you want them to. You got to be willing to, I'm not just talking about little things, Peter. You got to be willing to give up your whole life without expecting to get something in return or expecting things to work out the way you want them to. You got to give me everything. People don't really want to hear that, do they? You're talking about giving Jesus everything, expecting nothing in return. People don't, don't really embrace that thought. It, it would be much easier for me to preach up here and go, you know what? If you put a tithe check in there and you give 10% of what you, what you have earned, if you will do that, then God's going to take care of your car and your house. And God's going to make sure that, that, that you can eat a big fat lunch on Sunday afternoons. And God's going to do this and God's going to do that. And he's going he's gonna to bless you richly because you have given from your heart into that offering plate. Man, it would be so much easier for me to stand up here and preach that. The reality is, the truth of the gospel, the truth is that, that you have to give Jesus everything, expecting nothing in return. Falling on your face before God and say, God, I have nothing to offer, truly. If I look at the sum total of everything that is good in me, I have nothing to offer. See, we, we think that we're giving Jesus a lot, right? We think that we're, we're giving God a lot. We're offering up everything. Jesus, that's a whole lot. Isaiah tells us, man, even your, your, your best efforts at righteousness are like filthy rags. Our best attempts at being good, at, at doing the right thing, they're like filthy rags. You know what you have to offer God? Nothing. Nothing to offer God. You know what he gives you in return for what you, you give to God? He gives you everything. You have nothing to offer him, and he gives you everything. And what do I mean by everything? I, I don't mean your bank account. I don't mean your house. I don't mean your car. I don't mean that your kids will be saved. I don't mean that your family members or people you love are going to come to faith and knowledge in Jesus Christ. I don't mean that. I, I, I mean that we give him everything. And really what that amounts to is nothing. And he says, and, and when we do that, we say, thy will be done. God, whatever you have in store, I'm going to trust that, that it's It's good. It's good. I don't want us to go to God with expectations. I, I want us to go to God and say, God, I just I give you everything, recognizing with humility what that really totals up to. And God, I trust you with it. I trust you with it. Not expecting anything in return. I want to tell you a story about a missionary named Jim Elliott. Some 60 years ago, uh, this had been January the 8th, 1956, he went with a missionary team down to Ecuador. And uh, he, uh, he had this desire to reach these people that had never heard the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. They, they, they're, they're, they're very 
remote, savage people that basically kill any outsiders that come in. Well, God had put this missionary team, he had put those people on this missionary team's heart, so they went down to Ecuador. I think it's the Akara people, and, and they, they, they were very savage people, and any outsiders that came into their village, they would kill them. They used spears to, to kill people with. And talking about giving everything, Jim Elliott says, you know what? God has called me to preach this gospel to these people. He says, God, if you call me to do that, I'm going to go and I'm going to do it. I'm giving you everything, God. Even to these very savage people who may very well take my life, I'm giving you everything and it all belongs to you. So they had a plan, man. They had a plan. They they were going to set up camp outside where these people are located in Ecuador. And they had an airplane and they would fly over and the, the Akara people would, would look up and they would see the airplane and they had these baskets and they would drop down gifts to them, to these people. So they could see that the, the people in the plane were trying to do good things for them, not bad things. They were trying to, to reach them by doing good things for them. So they, they eventually, over time, through doing this, they established a relationship. And they, Jim Elliott and, and the other, other five other guys on the team, they said, they said, I believe we can go to them now. I believe that we can go to them now. I believe that they're approachable now. We've softened. We've broken down some walls. So now we can go and we can land the plane and we can go and we can approach them. You want to talk about a big risk when it comes to being faithful to God and obedient to God. These very savage people, they knew that there was a very good chance that they would die. And they said, God has called us to go. We're going to go. I think we're at a place now where we can go. So him and the other guys, they team up and they land the plane right there on the, the, the banks of this place where the Akara people are located. And the good news is, man, they, they came out and they embraced them. Right? They welcomed them in. Uh, Jim Elliott and the team had started sharing the gospel with them. They were reporting back to the home base via radio and saying, man, things are going good. They, they've They've accepted us into their culture. We're able to reach these people, and we're going to be sharing the gospel with them and telling them about Jesus the best way we know how. And then one day the the radio transmission stopped coming in. One day base camp stopped hearing from Jim Elliott and the team. January the 8th, 1956. One day... The base camp got on the radio, and you know what they heard? Nothing. Nothing. And what has happened over time is more and more the indigenous people started coming out of the jungle. And Jim Elliott and his team were there, and they killed him with spears. They killed Jim Elliott and his, his missionary team with spears while they were trying to share the gospel. You know what else? Jim Elliott and his missionary team had guns. They had guns. They could have defended themselves. Once the first person died, I'm, very, I'm sure that, that there was something ran through their minds. Says, we have guns at our disposal. We could use them. But they chose not to. They chose not to. And the whole missionary team that had gone into that indigenous people, they were all murdered. They came in later and found their bodies strewn by the riverside. And they had all died for the cause of the gospel. 
There's a story about the father of one of the men who had died. He, he, he came back to that same place in Ecuador and said he was, he was kind of full of rage and full of anger, the fact that these people had killed his son. And he came back to that very same people, found some guides, and they took him right back to those exact same people. And he found some of the guys that had been part of killing his son. And he said, he reached over to them, hugged them, and said, in the name of Jesus Christ, I love you. In the name of Jesus Christ, I love you. I imagine that he was full of bitterness and anger and rage, the fact that his son had died. But you know what he recognized? He recognized this, this word that is so powerful inside the confines of the Christian community, and that is a word called grace. And he was able to show grace towards that man, even though he had killed his son, because God had shown grace to him, because you know what he recognized? That his sin had killed Jesus Christ, God's son. And he was able to love that man through the name of Jesus Christ because of what Christ had done for him and the fact that God loved him in the name of Jesus Christ. So he was able to love that man in the name of Jesus Christ. There was a testimony given by one of the, one of the men, one of the men who came to faith in Jesus Christ. The Akara people, the very savage people, they used to, to kill with their spears. He st stood up one time in a meeting, and this is what he said. He started counting on his fingers, and he said, I've killed 12 men with my spear. But I did that when my heart was black. I don't live like that anymore. When you give everything to Jesus Christ, do it without expecting anything in return. And do it so that you may store up treasure in heaven, which are the souls of men. When you give, give that way. Give that way. Just like Jim Elliott and his team did some 60 years ago this past Friday. Let me pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for what you tell us in your word about real giving. Lord, I praise your name for the testimony of Jim Elliott and the fact that the, the people that they reached out to, many of them came to faith in Jesus Christ. And people like Jim Elliott that are willing to go into places that are dangerous, God, places that are difficult, they're willing to go there before the souls of men. For the souls of men. God, I pray that we wouldn't be a people that we expect something in return we give. Lord, I pray that we would offer our whole lives up to you expecting nothing in return. And God, that you would do a great work with what we give you. God, you're able to multiply and you're able to grow and you're able to use these, these weak and empty vessels. God, you're able to use us, God, for the, the purpose of bringing souls to you. And I praise your name for that. God, help us to give if you've called us to give, to give everything and not just a portion. There are people here in this, in this room, God, that they haven't given you everything. Lord, some of them don't have a relationship with you, and that's the reason they haven't given everything to you. I pray for that soul. God, I pray that you would use this word, God, to draw them to you. I pray that you would use this word, God, to bring them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. God, they, they may think that they're not worthy to come to you. They may think that they're incapable. Lord, I look at these, these savage Akora people, Lord, and, and 
they were the worst of the worst and they killed everybody. And you were able to rescue them. God, and change their hearts so they can say, I don't want to be like that anymore. My heart was black, but I don't want to be like that anymore. Now, there's some people in this place, and they know they need to come to faith in you through that, through your word. God, I pray that they would do that. Pray that they would respond wholeheartedly to you. God, this is your time. However, you need to bring healing to people. I pray that you do that. But God, we, we don't pray our prayers expecting you to bring healing the way we expect it to be brought. We pray that you bring healing the way that you desire for it to happen so that you can be glorified. And God, so that somebody might come to faith in Jesus Christ through that process. We pray that we would store up treasure in heaven and not on this earth. God, I know, as a rich young ruler, when he came to Jesus, he said, what must I do to inherit inherit eternal life? And, And Jesus simply said, go give everything that you have to the poor. And come back and follow me. He didn't do that and say, go and give everything to the poor and I'll give it right back to you. I'll give you more. He said, just come and follow me. And you'll have treasure in heaven. And Lord, I pray that that that's what we recognize. That's, That's the way that we're supposed to give. God, it all belongs to you. We have nothing to offer. God, we just pray that you use our lives as humble servants. God, for the glory of God and for the souls of men. That's why you saved us and that's why we're here and that's our purpose. Lord, be glorified through this time as we respond to you, as you speak to our hearts. God, be glorified through this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Would everyone please stand?